Hey, Anthony, it's that time again. To find out who was the best Chris? Yeah, yeah, wait, no. No, not at all. Then what? It's time to make the podcast. Oh, oh, oh yeah, that thing. Once again, we have reached that time of the week. Time to dive into the movies we love and the movies we wish we could forget. Pitting them against each other to receive praise uh, or hatred. Based on a scale of our choosing. So let's jump into it. This is the Double Feature Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Double Feature Versus. This is a special uh, special St. Nick episode, man, where we got uh, double the premieres, double the uh, streaming services fails. I know, I've had a, I, I know I had a few when I was watching Wonder Woman. What about you? I actually didn't run into any issues with the streaming service. Are you talking like hiccups while streaming hiccups, it? Yeah, hiccups. Like, uh, um, uh, 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 well, I'm Anthony. This is Brad. Uh, we don't have to do that. If, if you've been listening to us too this long, you know who we are. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, how, uh, but yeah, man, when I was watching Wonder Woman, um, I was, I was out of town. I was over at my sister's, um, I was over at my wife's sister's house. Uh, so my sister-in-law and, uh, we were watching Wonder Woman on their TV. HBO Max was kind of cutting in and out. Oh, I didn't have that problem when I did it, but I was also running on like a free trial code that I, I got guess. from somebody, like one of those trial codes that like printed off at the bottom of a receipt. I had somebody that had spare one. And I was like, hey, can I borrow that? Because I don't want to subscribe for this one movie. <laughs> you got to love it, man. The uh, My sister-in-law, she was using um, her uh, her husband's sister's account to watch the movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> their 18th, their U-verse account. You got to love it, man. Um, of course, of course. Uh, but anyway, folks, today we're talking about the two biggest films out right now on a video on demand, and that's um, well, on on HBO Max and Disney Plus, and that's uh, Wonder Woman 1984 and uh, Disney Pixar Soul. Um, before we hop into the two movies, man, how was your Christmas? It was good, nice, relaxing, family. Gotta say, it was definitely a good year. Okay. Yeah, same here, man. Um, even though we all couldn't, even though we couldn't be with everyone in our family for safety precautions, um, it felt good hanging out with my uh, sister-in-law and her family, and my my other sister-in-law. You know, my wife really uh, brought me closer to her her sisters, and uh, it was a fun time, man. You know, the kids got their gifts, I got mine. I think like when you're an adult, you don't you don't really ask for anything. You kind of just buy it yeah for me this year like even i was kind of going you know what do i want everything i want i just buy when i want it so i was literally going through and i was like you know what i got a bunch of posters that i don't have frames for i want frames here are the sizes i want (laughs) just give me frames and you know one thing that always surprises me every christmas even though i feel like i got what i wanted like um I would never have the gall to ask him, ask somebody to buy me a PS5. I'll save to buy that myself. But um, uh, uh, you know, I figure like, well, I kind of got what I wanted. I don't need anybody to get anything. Um, my sister-in-law got me a wallet, man, and I didn't notice until I put every, until I transferred everything over. I looked at my old wallet and said, "Damn, you're old. Why haven't I replaced you already?" Like, I, I always you know love I mean? that. The, the wallet is always one of those gifts that I'll get, and I'll be like, huh. I think that's a sign. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of, she didn't even know. She just said, hey, I just got him a wallet in case he needed it. And I was like, wow, this is good. Um, because the main thing I asked her for was like, just give me a Barnes & Noble gift 
card. I'm good. But she got me that in the wallet, and I was uh, I was pretty satisfied with that. Yeah. My my other sister in law, I she said, "What? So what, what do you want? What do you like?" I said, "Well, I like vinyls. You know, I don't have any vinyls from these two artists." And I lo and behold, she got me vinyls for those two artists. And I was like, "Wow, that's exactly what I wanted." Do you actually have like a vinyl player or anything like that? Oh, or? oh yeah, dude. Of course, I love my vinyl player. Oh, nice. It's a it's a, uh, it's a turntable. Um, it has the kind of thing where I can plug my headphones into it and listen to it directly, or plug it into a speaker. I love it so much. Nice. Yeah, I always like the idea of getting vinyls and everything like that. And then I'm like, okay, well, I gotta get a vinyl player, and then I gotta f- track down vinyls, and then. <laughs> not hard to track down vinyls especially with amazon and ebay um oh yeah i gotta believe it's a lot easier now yeah 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 i mean i I would say it's worth the investment i like the way they sound um if you're a real audiophile you can hear the difference but i really just i just like the sound of it man i like just getting that direct sound from that uh flat black and circular shape yeah yeah the actual like technology behind how it actually reads the bumps and everything like that and plays music based on that is just insane yeah it's, it's groundbreaking even to this day yeah um yeah we, we, we kind of digress there um you want to that wasn't movie related people are listening to this already like i don't know like was it seven minutes in like come on man get <laughs> get to the get to the topic um, you want to do soul first? I feel like Wonder Woman might might lead to a more polarizing conversation. Um, probably not actually. Uh, but yeah, we can start with soul. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so Disney Pixar Soul. Um, dude, I love this movie, man. Yeah. This is. I feel like so. Well, let's let's kind of like run it down. Um. So Soul is about a, um, a jazz musician, an aspiring jazz musician named Joe Gardner. He's a middle school music teacher. Um, he's on the cusp of getting this big break from uh, uh, performing with this acclaimed um, jazz uh, lounge singer. Um, just before that happens, something, uh, you know, he, he, he wakes up in the afterlife due to a freak accident. And the whole film is him basically trying to figure out a way to get back. And he comes across this soul, like an actual soul named uh, 22. Mm-hmm. Uh, voiced by Tina Fey. Jamie Foxx voices Joe Gardner, by the way. And, um, dude, it's just, I, 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 um, I just love, I love the hilarious misadventures of this film, but I really felt like this was like an adult animation film. And not, not raunchy in any sense. When I say adult, I meant it's a mature Pixar film. And I, I just yeah, love Yeah, the it. whole message, the themes, everything around it is very like adult, what is life, what is the purpose kind of stuff. It's right. it's the grown up version of Inside Out. See, that's what I hear, and I never, I, I still, that's on my list. I know it's a great movie. It's on my list. Well, it's the but same I, exact. Uh, what is it? Writer and director as Inside Out. Pete Doctor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Pete Doctor, and uh, people have been telling me like, oh, this is the adult Inside Out. I was like, oh wow, I, I, I didn't, I didn't figure that. Um. Yeah, dude, I I enjoyed this film. I just love there's so many things I loved about this. Um, I, I love the themes behind it, like what is the spark in your life? Like what 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 gives your life meaning? You have this character here who feels like you know throughout the whole film, no, my spark is jazz. It's jazz, 
And then as he kind of goes on, you figure like, no, that's not your spark. That's just something you love. Yeah. What What's your real spark? Um, yeah, man. I, I don't know what it is about Pixar, man, but they always bring the feels out of me. Oh, like, it's, like, they're like one thing is every time you get one of those Pixar movies, you just know that it, it's going to attack you deep down in your emotions right off the bat. And it's not going to let up until the credits are rolling. I think this film really hit me deep in the heart because it was it was geared towards it was geared towards where I am in life. I'm not middle aged, but I'm not a kid anymore either. I'm I'm on that cusp where I'm in between I'm I'm in between young adulthood and middle age. I'm on my way to my thirties, but I'm not in my thirties just yet. I'm twenty seven. Mm-hmm. But this is something to take in, in into account. Like you know, you do kind of ask yourself, okay, what is your spark? You know you love doing this, but what keeps you moving? You know, what gives your life meaning? And that's not a that's not an easy question to answer. And I feel like the journey this protagonist goes through, um, it was very thought provoking, entertaining, and um it, it was well done, man. You know, this is a it's the first Pixar film to feature an African American protagonist. I thought that was pretty cool too. Um As I as the lead anything, voice actor too. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think anything was um dude, and, and some of this was like like authentically black. Like I love the barbershop sequence. I'm like, dude, yes. that is an actual black barbershop. I love I loved how they did that. You know, when you look at jazz, like the the lounge, um the lounge um sequences, I'm like, that's how an actual jazz singer would look. That's actual jazz music. John Batiste from um who's the lead uh band player on uh Stephen Colbert's late show, he did the sound he did the jazz music, Trent Nine Inch Nails, they did the score. I didn't mm-hmm. even know they did that. See, I didn't know Nine Inch Nails was even involved with this until you uh, posted that on Facebook. And I was like, hold on. Let me just confirm this real quick because that seems like one of those. These guys are working, man. They did this. They just did Mank. Like, I, Trent Reznor and Atticus were also working, man. And when you listen to the song, when you listen to the score, I listen to the um, the score for the film. You're like, yeah, that's Nine Inch Nails. But it's it's nine inch nails in a Pixar-y type of way, right? It, it it definitely felt more Pixar. I didn't get like a oh this is definitely a nine inch nails kind of album, but at the same time I can definitely see it kind of looking back a little bit now. But that's good because I feel like that's them as sound composers learning how to um, mastering their craft and trying to have music that fits with the film and not be Nine Inch Nails music that over overpowers the film. Right. I felt like Social Network was an anomaly where it was it was a David Fincher directed film written by Aaron Sorkin with music by Nine Inch Nails. It had so many things going for it that the Nine Inch Nails music wasn't the only thing great with that film. If Social Network had a lesser script and a, um, and a director that wasn't as um, eclectic or powerful was David Fincher, the Nine Inch Nails music would have overpowered that film. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, Daft Punk when they did the soundtrack for oh, Tron. Yeah. Like, nobody can tell you anything about Tron, but man, that soundtrack, people still listen to it today. Let me tell you something, man. When Tron Legacy gets mentioned, I whether you say, hey, that movie was okay, or I didn't really like that movie, the first thing I always say, great soundtrack though, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like that's the first thing you mentioned is Daft Punk soundtrack that overpowered the film. Oh, one hundred percent. It's the one thing that I remember most about that movie. 
and it's nice to see Nine Inch Nails doing movies and them not being like the forefront of it, being kind of that little trivia thing of, oh, by the way, you know who made the soundtrack to that, right? Right. Yeah, I, I love that I had to look that up. I was like, wait a minute, because I saw a review that said, oh, a uh, new Pixar film with the Nine Inch Nails score. I'm like, they didn't produce that. And I looked it up. I said, oh, shit, Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross, you know. But, um, dude, I love this movie, man. I love the supporting cast here, too, man. Um, beyond Jamie Foxx and Tita Fey, you got Questlove, Felicia Rashad, Angela Bassett, Donnell Rawlings. Um, Richard Iwade. Richard Iwade, um, Alice Braga, Graham Norton was one of the characters. Oh, Why yeah. I, I said, yeah. And uh, Rachel House. Yeah, this, this film was... Um, I really enjoyed this, man. It, it really made me think. And I feel like Pixar, for a while, there was a time when they weren't really so far raising the bar, but they stayed consistent with their quality. I feel like this is one of those films, and from what I hear from other people alongside Inside Out, that kind of raised the bar. Like, I, for the longest time, you could objectively say the best Pixar film was between Toy Story, Finding Nemo, or Incredibles. I think we got to put soul in that conversation. Oh, 100%. Yeah, this yeah. movie, because the last one that they did was Onward, which felt more Disney than Pixar. Because yeah, with Pixar's, they all have like this spark to them that you can kind of get the sense that it's a Pixar movie right off the bat. Uh, Onward mm. felt like it was missing that. This movie hit it right out of the park right in the like opening scene with uh him teaching uh the class and everything you know and him right. getting like offered the full-time position you know he's hesitant toward it and everything like that it's like oh i can already tell this is gonna be a true pixar movie this isn't gonna be like your happy-go-lucky everything's okay this is gonna be your you know let's dive into these emotions you know what I think, man? I think this movie is, um, you know, it's another film made by Pete Docter. You know, I'm not the biggest fan of Up, but I got to say one of the greatest things Pixar has ever made was that that, op that opening montage in Up. Oh, yeah, like the 10 movie, minutes of pure, you know, tears that they made before right, throwing a movie like, at you. <laughs> yes, dude. Like, I remember that montage. It Like, that, that was where Pixar set another bar. It felt like Soul was like, um, a a a two hour version of that montage, emotion wise. Yeah, like this really does like put you through. It was one hundred and six minutes. It puts you through a lot of emotions the same way that ten minute montage did in Up. Oh yeah, because not only that, but it, the way they even transitions between like the different themes and everything like that, it feels natural because you have him being happy. He finally got the one thing that he's been like aiming for his entire life, and then he dies, and then he refuses to accept that he's dead, and that causes him to get into meeting twenty two, which he's not even supposed to be there, and everything, and eventually getting back to earth but not in his body and then 22 living through his body and i love the other idea like everybody has that spark that one thing that they need in order to you know be a complete soul is that one thing that's going to drive you but your spark doesn't have to be your purpose you know right you there know. you go because uh um, throughout the entire thing they're always kind of going oh your spark is going to be archery and they can 
play it off like, oh, you're going to be a great archer and everything like that. And as the movie progresses and everything like that, and you see his character start talking with people, like the barbershop scene, you know, mm-hmm. where it's, you know, I didn't always want to be a barber. I actually wanted to be a vet, but, uh, right. you know, I couldn't afford it. And, you know, barber school right. was cheaper and. Right. Like life took him somewhere else and he's happy where he is because he yeah. gets to have those kind of conversations with people. Cause he was like, Oh, I'm sorry. You're not happy. He says, no, no, man, I'm happy. I just, my life took me in a different direction. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree, man. Uh, I feel like the one scene where, where you said when the film opens up in the middle school about how this film was going to be like different for you. Um, I'd say I had that same feeling when, uh, when he was, when he was on his way to the great beyond when he first died mm-hmm. and then he, uh, he was trying to escape and he fell off the side that little like animation sequence where he's falling off and he, he, um, before he lands in the great, the great before I was like, Oh man, this shit is different. Like I was looking at all the animation, how the music score was changing in the back of my mind unconsciously. I think I was like, man, that sounds like nine inch nails. <laughs> I oh, see, I, I never cross- throughout the entire thing went, Oh, this is definitely nine inch nails. It never even crossed my mind. <laughs> it was when him and, 22 were racing the earth when he had when he had when he had catched up to 22 and said no 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 you 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 belong on earth you can you belong on earth when they were racing the earth i, I heard some synth sounds i said that sounds like trend atticus but that was in the back of my mind i said they're not they're not gonna voice a pixar film yeah <laughs> but um yeah man that that first scene where he um where he he falls on his way to the great before um i said oh wow this film's gonna be something different and then the credits start playing, you know, Walt Disney Pictures Presents. Yeah, this film, it, it kept me very engaged. I loved it. My wife loved it. I, I got to say, I, I, some I, listen, some kids are intuitive. A lot of kids are intuitive. I don't know if they'll fully grasp this, like, inside out. Again, I haven't seen that film, but I assume that film kind of... Inside out is a lot more uh, visual with its kind of, like... It, interpreting things because you are you have somebody representing like anger sadness happy joy you know right right uh so you have like something representing those emotions here everything isn't represented in like a physical form a lot of it is like metaphorical right i feel like with a film like this i feel like i feel like it's half and half some some kids will get it some won't um because they'll be like that was a fun movie to watch. Didn't quite get it, but you know, like I, I'm sure kids are gonna like it. And then when they watch it, you know, five, older. ten years down the road, they're gonna be like, "Wow, this was." I like this movie for a whole new reason now. I agree. I, I totally agree. Um, one of the best lines in this film, dude. I love when he finally gets what he wanted. He performs with the with the jazz singer. He does a great job, and in the end, he says. Man, I did everything I wanted, but something's—I—I I, I don't know—something's missing. And the singer just uh, gives her that, gives him that great line, played by Felicia Rashad. She says, "Look, man, small fish comes up to the larger fish and says, Hey, man, uh, where's the ocean?'" Or I'm larger looking for the ocean. Says, right, larger fish says, "We're in the ocean, dude." He says, "No, no, 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 no. This is water. I want to know where the ocean is." I thought that was just a great line. Like, you know, you, you got to see what's in front of you instead of trying to look for what's what's not in front of you. Yeah. Sometimes you already have what you're trying to find. Right. 
So yeah, that that one was a great moment. Um, I, I love when he kind of realized what uh, because prior to that he was yelling at twenty two, going, "The only reason you found your spark was because you were in my body. You found a spark of you know music. You stole my right. spark, and that's the only reason." And then his realization of no, you know, twenty two spark was living, you know. It, right. it doesn't have to be a tangible thing. Your spark can literally be anything. And for that person, it was living. Oh, I got it mixed up, y'all. Felicia Rasad was the mother. Angela Bassett was the jazz player. My bad. But yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. So it, it um, I love this movie. It, it was great. Uh, I also love how it kind of tackled the idea of like super happiness can also like lead to, you know, what is it? Over anxiety and depression and everything like that. Like your spark can also lead to your downfall if you, you know, don't take it in. That That was uh, when they were in, I guess, in the normal box uh, where they had like the lost souls. Oh, lost souls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who who was super happy? Uh, well, they showed like your spark can become an obsession, and when it becomes that, you can lose yourself. Yeah, like I, I, it was that one guy who was uh, who was stock trading, and then uh, he got hit with the, I think he got hit with the with the arrow or something, and he woke up in on Earth like, what am I doing here? Yeah, I'm gone. <laughs> he, starts throwing, he starts throwing things over, and it's hilarious. Oh yeah, and I love how they're going through like the oh this is the place you go when you're in the zone, you know, and you're seeing like musicians and stuff around, and they're going. So what are you guys doing? And then it just pans out to the one guy just doing like sign spinning, <laughs> and it's like oh that's, yeah, that's perfect. That was Graham Norton. That's him. Yeah, that's who that character was. Um, I liked uh. I was about to say something. What did you think of Terry, the character Terry, who was trying to hunt them down because he the count was off? Yeah, I I found it comical. That was definitely more of a like a kitty part and stuff like that. Uh, I agree. I, I didn't have an issue with it, but yeah, he's yeah. he was very like the calculated uh, person. I I do love the conversations between Terry and the Jerry's, though. And here's your right. trophy that you insisted that you get. <laughs> right. And then uh, <laughs> the um, I'm, I love it when uh, Joe, the main character, asks, like, um, like uh, but I'm supposed to go to the great beyond. How, how are you going to stop that guy from getting me? He says, oh, we took care of that. He's, and um, Terry sees something off. He says, oh, my God, Terry, what's that? Huh? He flips the thing over. He says, oh, never mind. You're doing a great job, by the way. Yeah, were you saying something, Terry? You're you're all over the place today. You gotta. <laughs> yeah, I I love that. Uh, it, yeah, because I think that was like Richard Iwade's character of Jerry that uh, did that scene, and it just came off perfectly. I love Richard Iwade. Everything he's in is basically pure gold. So I guess so. You're you're a fan of the the, the IT crowd show. Oh yeah. Oh, one hundred percent. Dude, I watched one episode of that and I was like, I'm 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 good on this. Oh. But I do like Submarine though. I like, oh, I like Submarine is such a good movie. Yeah. But yeah, I it, so seeing hearing his voice in this movie cuz I really didn't look up anything about this movie. I saw like the teaser trailer which really didn't reveal anything besides it was Same Jamie Foxx and Tina Fey and so I didn't know anywhere where this movie was going. Or anybody else that was in it outside of Jamie Foxx and Tina Fey. 
Same here. I didn't look much up either, man. I um, I I I, uh, I went um, blindfolded, and I loved it. Oh yeah. I feel like that's the way we should do films nowadays. Films that we're interested in, just go in blindfolded. It. Well, the problem is the films you don't know if you're going to be interested in it or not. I wish commercials didn't reveal everything about it. I want more like the teaser trailers where it kind of gives you a basic premise and you can kind of go, okay, that sounds interesting, and then watch it instead of getting like the entire movie synopsis in 30 seconds. Yeah, I I try not to watch um, a lot of trailers. Well, look, sometimes trailers are necessary if you don't know if you want to invest in a movie. I'm like, dude, I I don't know about this. The director has made some duds. I don't like that lead actor a lot. Let me see the trailer to see if this if if this um, if this bite is as good as his bark. Right. So, Um, hey, man, bottom line, five out of five. I love this. Same. This one's probably one of my favorite Pixar movies overall. Same here, man. Um, I look forward to watching this again. Uh, I would have preferred to see this in theaters, um, but I I loved it. Which brings us to that other movie. All right. All right. So, um, you know what? I'm going to let you. You're the the comic book guy. I'm going to give you the honors to, to lead us in. Okay. So... Following the success of the first movie, uh, they decided to make a second movie. Wonder Woman 1984. Yep, 1984. Uh, From there on out, mistakes were made. And... See, I don't... All right, go ahead. I did not enjoy this movie. Okay, all right, all right. Hold up, hold up. Now, Now, let me say this, all right? Let me say this. My measuring stick on whether this film was good or not was compared to how I liked the first movie. Now, I like I like the first Wonder Woman. I thought it was a solid origin story. I thought it was a well done movie. I fell asleep on both of them. Really? <laughs> let, me, let me explain. Let me explain. The first one, there were certain things that tapped into it. The first Wonder Woman, it was a good movie, but um, I was on a date with my then girlfriend, now wife. Um, it was the end of the day. I was a little tired, so I, I kind of fell asleep in the middle of it. But then again, here's the second thing. I knew where it was going. I, it was a good movie. I I I was enjoying myself. It was like I, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a few Z's because I know where this film is going. Um, so I like the first Wonder Woman. This film, I I kind of I kind of went to sleep a little bit on this towards the middle because, you know, it's Christmas afternoon. I'm you know we were just coming down from a lot of kids running around. I figured like let me just relax and watch this with my wife and her family took a few z's and i woke up you know just in time for the middle to end same thing with this one but i didn't think it was a bad movie so i kind of just looked at this one the same as the first one for this one everything is just on the nose when it came to its writing uh is it did a more like show than tell for Mm -hmm. most of its stuff uh the writing was just bad like Having uh, what come is on, it? Man. Kristen Kristen Wiig's uh character come in and uh, just Kristen uh, Wiig. yeah, Kristen Wiig, where everybody's like, oh, I didn't notice you, and blah blah blah. Or who's this person? That's me. That you just well, if you just hired somebody last week, you would remember who they were. You wouldn't be, you know, just everything about the writing was just blah. Dude, it, it, all right. First off, 
this is a DC film, man. This is an Oscar winner here. <laughs> Remember when everybody was so so geeked over Wonder Woman, the first one, like Patty Jenkins should get nominated for Best Director. I'm like, calm down, calm down. It wasn't that great, but this is a DC film, man. Come on, man. And there's just too much bad with this one. Like the the All villains right. weren't interesting. First off, you know we didn't get enough backstory for us to be like, oh, these are interesting characters and everything like that. Because uh, you have Pedro Pascal as one of the Who villains. Wasn't he was. I'll say this: the acting was perfect throughout the entire movie. If only okay. the writing was actually good around that acting. And. You know, the <laughs> effects for this movie, like, I get that the movie takes place in the 1980s, but do we have to take the effects from the 1980s at the same time? Like, the big fight with the uh, trucks and everything like that, you know, it, the whole scene with her, like, running super fast and everything like that, the effects were so bad. And it just didn't match up. Like, her speed for running changed three times every single time the frame skipped to she was a different weak. angle. No, like I she would like get be slow and then faster and then she'd be in a different spot all of a sudden but running slower and you know, it it wasn't like so much her power scaling at that point. It was more like it, it just they did bad job at timing out how that scene should have played out. Okay, I I feel like for everything you don't like, there's something that I like. Um I hear what you're saying with your stuff. I, I did, however, like how Patty Jenkins brought the 1980s aesthetic out. I like the escapist qualities with this film, you know, like, you know, in terms of, you know, even back during the Great Depression days when America was at a dark time, there will be Hollywood films that will lift up their spirits a little bit. I feel like this was that's what this was trying to do in the age of covid. Soul kind of did it better. But, uh, you know, um, I, 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 I liked what this film was for what it was. I didn't expect it to be more than what it was. Um, I got to say, I love the opening sequence when uh, the flashback. Oh, that was perfect. I want more of that that movie. That was well done. That could have been its own movie. I love that opening sequence. Um, When she's on her planet and they're, they're doing their, uh, their, their, I think, I think it was their Olympics. Yeah. It was kind of like their, yeah, it was their like sports kind of thing. But I got to say, man, I I felt like this film, it it, it it gave me what I was expecting from it. Pedro, Pedro Pascal's performance as the villain was I thought it was solid. They did what they, they did, what he what they asked him to do. Um, I didn't mind the Wishmaster part of his whole villainy. Uh, I thought it was I thought it was an interesting uh, skill to give a villain. I'm not making excuses for this movie just to oppose you. I'm just saying, like, this film kind of gave me what I wanted from it. Yeah, it it did not give me what I wanted from this movie at all. Uh, right. When you have, like, the Wishmaster and everything like that, and then you have Cheetah, who doesn't even show up until, like, the very end and then has one fight scene and then is just gone. Uh, but... At the same time, you got to also take into account this takes place in 1985 within the DC universe. Nobody remembers this stuff happening at all. Like this isn't something that like where was oh, Superman go at there, this point? Man. Come on, man! You don't go there. You know this stuff ain't always canon. 
Like, like <laughs> that's like saying um, Captain Marvel was around in the nineties. You you're telling me Shield are the only people that remember remember Captain Marvel? Come on, man. It's 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 come on. See that that one. There's like the leaps of faith that you can make to go. Okay, I can understand that. But, but this one, people- I could not. Because it was like a worldwide, like disastrous thing. It wasn't just like in her city. It wasn't just something that was going on there. But it was like a huge worldwide thing. And nobody talks about this. Nobody, you know, mentions this. But if you renounce your wish, you probably don't remember all that stuff. Everybody was making wishes, dude. Even even newscasters and stuff. Right. If you renounce your wish. You're probably like, all right, well, what happened there? Hey, was there like a wall or something here? You probably it probably, it probably comes off like deja vu to you, you know. Um, I I can take a leap of faith with that because it's a DC movie, dude. I'm not thinking that hard about it. I'm not thinking that hard about it. <laughs> I, I like how it just gets the pat. It's a DC movie, man. Come on. Because <laughs> listen, man. Here's what I think, dude. I think I I saw a comment on a page uh, on the. Wonder Woman's review I was reading, and somebody was like, oh, man, this film was so trash. They say this woman's about to direct a Star Wars film. We might as well call it The Last Jedi Part 2. I was like, come on, man. You Maybe you waited for her to make a bad movie for you to make that comment saying she's a bad director, but Patty Jenkins is not a bad director. Yeah. Oh, I'm by no means film? saying this is a you know a no, scar know. on her or anything like that. This, this is just a bad not. movie. Everybody has a bad movie. <laughs> No, I know you're not, but um, I was telling him, like, come on, man. And he says, well, you know, she might not be a bad director, but did you see the movie? I'm like, yeah, okay, the movie wasn't that good, but, you know, it doesn't mean she can't direct Star Wars. And my thing with that is, dude, DC and Star Wars fans, and, and Brad, I'm not talking to you specifically, but these people can really be bitter. And I'm like, dude, you guys got, like, 15 Star Wars spinoff shows coming. You got a lot of DC movies coming. You guys got everything you wanted, but the the one you, you can't just complain every time you get a bad project out of it. You're getting everything you want. Yeah. For me, it's I'm saying this is a bad movie. I'm not going, oh my god, everything DC makes no, is I terrible. Know. It's but this I movie, I did not enjoy it. Like I was even kind of watching it and going, Is this good? I don't think so. I'm not enjoying this. Like, and then it'd have like some stupid scene with cheesy dialogue, and I'd be like, "No, I'm not enjoying this movie. This is." Was, was that son wearing the same clothes throughout the movie? I'm not sure. Was he wearing the same clothes? Yeah, the same clothes every all the three weekends that he had him. Did he? Did he really? Because I, I hope he yeah. didn't. I, I'm pretty sure it was the same because it was like that checker shirt. Because I'm like, this kid, like, he, he kind of appears out of nowhere in some scenes. And I'm like, where did he come from? Because I, listen, I would have loved it if he was a figment of his imagination. That would have been perfect. But See, I was expecting, he, like, the thing that he loses would have been him. And then that would have turned him and stuff like that. But I can't even remember. What was he losing? His health? Dude, that's one thing I was confused about. Like, I'm like, is this dude losing health the more he grants wishes? Because his eyes started getting red and stuff, and I'm like, yeah, he I'm started little... getting like nosebleeds, bleeding from his ear and stuff like that, and yeah, uh, I don't know, man. Um... Honestly, the movie has all the right pieces; they just did not do them justice. 
Uh, if anything, I would have said take out Cheetah from this one and let that be another movie or have this be the intro to her and then she comes forth in another movie. Because uh, the end fight scene with her just did not work. You know, and- yeah, I agree. Um, I was going to say uh, Chris Pine, uh, Steve Trevor, one of the funniest jokes I see online is um, saying, if you drove this plane in 1910, you can drive this thing right here with no problem. Yeah. Because I, I kind of did. Again, it's a DC film, but I kind of see that did one's say, a like, leap of faith I can make, though, because that one's yeah. kind of the, you know, he's a pilot. Okay. I'll give you that. You know, you, you got to keep the movie going. The invisible thing with her, like, going, oh, I've only done this once and it was with a cup of coffee. And it's just like, oh, God, stop. Stop. I get what you're trying to do. It's t- trying to be fan service, but this is fan service in the wrong direction. I didn't mind the invisibility thing. I thought, like, again, this is a DC film. It is what it is. Um, I, I hear what you're saying, man. I, I do agree that this film was, it, it, it could have been better. Uh, it could have been a lot better. But it gave me what I expected. I I think the first film is a little better, but I think this film is better. It, it This film is better in um, set design as far as 80s go. Um, the first one may be a better as far as like having a better story, should I say? Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know, man. I I don't think it's terrible nor great. I just think it it is what it is. See, I I would consider it bad. I wouldn't consider it like the worst thing DC has put out, but at the same time it was bad. You know, it's when going into this one, I was actually excited because we had Wonder Woman. Gal Gadot has shown that she can be a fantastic Wonder Woman. Uh, We had Kristen Wiig as Cheetah. And I was like, okay, that is like a perfect casting. I love that. And then you have Pedro Pascal on there who, when it was first announced that he was going to be a part of it. Uh, it was before like Mandalorian had come out and everything. So you knew him from game of Thrones and it's like, Oh, he's fantastic in that. I'm excited for this. This is going to be good. Yeah. The Viper. Yeah. Yep. So it like everything was lining up for this to be like a great DC movie, like the same way that I'm looking at the suicide squad now where I'm looking at the cast, the director and everything. I'm going, the pieces are all there. This could potentially be one of the best DC movies. You know, everything that I want appears to be in this movie, but then they kind of like took the puzzle and they were like, okay, so we got all the pieces. We got a complete picture here. And then somebody just lit the box on fire and was like, yeah, let's put it together now. And somebody else started like chewing on some of the pieces while somebody else, you know, dropped a bunch of pieces into, you know, the river and they floated away. And, you know, somebody stole a couple pieces and you're just like, well, the pieces were all here before. But now what? You know, we have this whole, like, thing, and it's just missing corners, and, you know, the whole section in the middle is kind of missing. We just kind of redrew some of it. (laughs) I look at this film the way I look at, the way we looked at uh, W with Josh Brolin. Wasn't a terrible film, wasn't a great film. It was just kind of boring. That's how I looked at Wonder Woman 1984. It was just kind of boring. I didn't think it was bad. I just thought, eh. 
yeah. It, I I definitely did not think it was just eh. I I thought it was bad. <laughs> but I went into it with different expectations at the same time. You know what? I'm, my expectations were were um were na. So I said I'm gonna go in and see this. Um, if it's if it's if it's if it's not that good, I'll be okay. If it's great, I'll be perfect. Cause I'm like, damn, that's better than what I expected. And you know, I I gotta admit, that's kind of the same feeling I have towards Black Widow. I don't know what to expect from that movie. Uh, cause I like Black Widow as a side character, giving her her own movie. I like Scarlett Johansson. I really do. I don't know if it's gonna be good. I, and Marvel usually wins out with these films debates live action film debates but i don't i don't know if black widow is going to be that good because i looked at how i'm not going to go there i i don't know i don't know for black widow it's basically winter soldier is one of my favorite marvel movies so and it's coming off to be a lot like a spy thriller like uh winter soldier was which they've already shown they can do well that's where all my hype for Black Widow is. I see that film and I see Red Sparrow. And yeah, Red I, Sparrow was good. Red Sparrow was a good movie. Yeah, I remember when uh, they started advertising for Red Sparrow and I was like, oh, is this the Black Widow movie? And then it would cut to like the title sequence and it's like, yeah. Red Sparrow coming soon. I'd be like, what the hell is Red Sparrow? <laughs> I think Red Sparrow beat it to the punch like Captain Marvel beat Dark Phoenix to the punch. Yeah. And it just is what it is. You know, um, it is what it is. I, I hope it's good, man. I, I look forward to it. Uh, well, yeah, I look forward to it. I, I just, if it turns out to be just all right, I'm just going to shrug. Like Captain Marvel, it was just all right to me, but I like Brie Larson. So I'm like, eh, I like looking at eye candy. I like Brie Larson. So the movie was just all right. Yeah. So, but yeah, for this one, it, it's a two out of five for me. Uh, uh, yeah, I give it a two point five for the uh, escapist qualities. <laughs> the escapist qualities. This escape. Listen, man, my mind was taken away from COVID when I watched this. Well, it's been taken away from COVID more often these days. Um, with not not just with the vaccines, with the vaccines going out, but because. Things are changing. We're heading into a new year, new, uh, a new life, and everything. Um, this gave me a little bit of its escapist. Um, it wasn't as great of an escapist uh, feeling as Soul gave me, but there was a little bit of escapism with this film. Yeah, it, comparing this and Soul is kind of no comparison. It, yeah, it's it's just not fair. It's like trying to you know compare a monkey's ability to climb versus a fish. Uh, one is going to be vastly superior to the other. Let me tell you something, man. The moment Soul ended, that was the second film me and my wife watched. I said, dude, I already know me and Brad. This one's winning. Yeah. Is this, is this <laughs> no, I, don't, I didn't even remember Wonder Woman 1984 the moment I finished Soul. Like, um, it's like that story I told you. Um, Avengers Age of Ultron and Max, Mad Max Fury Road were at the theaters at the same time. Me and my friend did a double feature. We saw Avengers first. That's a great movie, man. We saw Mad Max Fury Road. We didn't even remember Avengers after that. Yeah. 
you know what I mean? Like, it's just, there's no comparison. Yeah, it, it was an unfair advantage. And I think the best part was HBO was taking shots at Disney when they were announcing Wonder Woman. And then Disney's like, well, I guess we'll throw that Pixar movie up. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, that's cool. That Pixar movie. I remember that. Completely blowing, like, the the expectations for, like, even Rotten Tomatoes, I think, is, like, going 100% for uh, Pixar Soul right now. Uh, I think it's ninety eight. It feels oh, did it drop down? Great, but yeah, that those things always I mean, drop down, man. Even any movie that can hold ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes is somehow like it's. You had to be really good to hold a ninety percent or higher. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I try not to look at that too much because again, that's like a that's a culmination of critics. As we, mm-hmm. we know, there are films we love that most critics are like. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Like, like, like whatever. Um, but typically, but when s- you can get 90% of critics to go watch this movie, it, there's something about that movie. I agree. I agree. There's something about it. Definitely something about it. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah, man. There there was um, no competition here. Did you, did you look at the box office numbers? Did they change? Uh, um, what, what did they... I didn't yeah. look at the box office numbers at all for, because I don't think Pixar Soul came out in theaters at all, did it? Well, I'm talking about numbers as far as streaming numbers. Is there such a oh, thing? Oh, I don't think, because it's streaming and it's through a uh, their own service, I don't think they had to reveal those numbers. So, okay. I, uh, I, I doubt I we're going to get an exact number. They're probably going to be like, oh, it was like, twice as much as we were expecting at the box office but the box office right now they're kind of expecting 10 people to go so that doesn't really <laughs> hbo max needs a win they they need a win um hopefully this um denzel washington rami malik lead film uh, and jared leto's in it too the little things hopefully this film gives that gives them a win because yeah i i, I don't know man and after the um, beating they've been taking from directors and like actors and everything like that leading up to this yeah this is hbo max is not looking good right now <laughs> they're not um but they do say they're gonna try to put a batman they're gonna try to put batman on hbo max to like match up with with their pissing contest with uh disney the plus robert Pattinson one I saw a headline and I saw his face in it, so I'm assuming that one. Because I know that they were talking about bringing, um, what's his name, uh, Ben Affleck back for a Batman movie that takes place after Justice, like after the Zack Snyder Justice League. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard that too. Uh, so I heard that would have been like an HBO Max kind of exclusive, like it wouldn't have gone to theaters. Uh, but if they're trying to bring the Batman, the one with Robert Pattinson over too, that's, ah, I'm, I'm really questioning what AT&T is doing with everything. Cause they seem to be like canceling everything fans love, but at the same time they're going, no, no, we're doing everything for the fans. They're not canceling it. I mean, I feel like it's still, no, they canceled the a lot of shows. Uh, they canceled basically mean? everything that was going through Adult Swim. They canceled a lot of stuff on like Cartoon Network and stuff that you know. Give me Warner, an example. Uh, Venture Bros. 
Oh well, I mean, come on, man. That's a that's a niche show. That's oh, niche that that's show. one of my favorite TV shows, though. I'm still sour about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you love that show, but I'm saying that that show has a niche audience, like Always Sunny in Philadelphia. That has a niche audience, like like that's not that's not Friends. That's not Seinfeld. You know what I mean? Yeah, but at the same time, after Venture Bros got canceled, Disney came out and was like, "Yeah, we just renewed Always Sunny for another five seasons, guys." <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, that's that's a cheap show to make. You know, it's a cheap show. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Th- their entire setting is one bar. <laughs> right. Um, I hear what you mean, man. Uh, I'm just saying they they need a win because this. And I love HBO Max to, for the content. Um, the interface needs a bit work. No, the, not interface the interface just, is not just good. The, the bugs, the bugs need the bugs need a bit more work, you know. See, I I can say that uh, going between Hulu's interface is probably the biggest mess out of all of them. I can never find anything on Hulu's interface without searching for it directly. Uh, mm-hmm. Netflix is like Prime; they figured it out. Uh, oh yeah. Prime, Amazon Prime, that one, I have no idea who designed that and why they decided that they hated everybody. Uh. <laughs> My thing is, if I'm looking for something, I, I, before I go to any streaming service, I'm going to, I need to know what I'm looking for directly so I can search for it. Let's skip all the BS of all the recommended for you and films that are like this movie. No, either you have it or you don't. If you don't, I'm going to keep it moving. See, I like the Netflix one because it'll kind of, especially when it came to like comedy specials and stuff like that, it was really good because you'd be able to discover those or movies you'd never even heard of and stuff like that. Uh, Hulu is good if you know what you're looking for already. Uh, Amazon Prime, uh, I couldn't even tell you what's on Amazon Prime because I don't understand their GUI at all because they mix the stuff that's free with the stuff you had to pay for and there's no way to like separate it and... See, I I thought that was just my mom, but my mom had tried to watch a show on there. She said the first episode was free. Maybe it's all with Amazon Prime, and they made her pay for the second episode because she didn't read the fine print. Yeah, little ass fine print that says two ninety nine to watch, but uh, but the big episode one says free. Like yeah, yeah, Amazon Prime. I don't know who designed that and why they wanted to like inflict this new world hell on everybody that has Amazon Prime, but uh, they're succeeding in their goal. And then, it, and then it's like you could watch it for free with IMDb TV. But one thing they don't tell you: oh, you got commercials. Yep. You know, you know what I mean. Um, how am I going to watch commercials with a profanely laced Wolf of Wall Street, man? How does that work? <laughs> You know what I mean? How does that work? Yeah. So, yeah. I, I hope that HBO Max succeeds, but man, they are getting kicked down left and right right now. I, I think they're going to be okay. They're going to be around. Um, I just think it's going to be a while before they make their money back. We're going to see, because if this like whole one year of movies coming to HBO Max and theaters at the same time, they could ruin relationships uh, with Warner Brothers uh, and directors and kind of stuff like that if this well, doesn't play out right. And that could be a killer to HBO Max. Wait, what, wait is that HBO's fault or is that Warner Brothers' fault? Uh, it kind of falls Brothers on fault. both. 
Because at the same time, after this, do you think that Chris Nolan's going to make an HBO Max exclusive movie? Well, no, but we but that's just one man. We we know what he feels about streaming. We know how he feels. But I do see a Steven Sodenberg or a it, with with the right negotiations, maybe a James Gunn doing it with the right negotiations. They didn't they didn't negotiate this stuff correctly. Yeah, that's that's the big problem behind all of this. If we sat down and said, listen, man, because Gal Gadot and P- Petty, um, uh, Patty Jenkins, they, they got their negotiations. You know, uh, they said, listen, we're going to give you this for this and this for this. All right. Yeah, we'll do it. They didn't do that with the other directors and stars of these other films. They just said, you know what? YOLO. Yeah. We're going to throw it all on there. Wait, what? <laughs> we were happy about it, but actors and directors were like, what the f-? <laughs> Yeah. Well, we were happy about it before we knew that, you know, nobody else was informed about this. We were kind of just going, oh, wow, this seems like a cool thing that they're doing. Yeah. It, um, one funny thing I wrote, I wanted to talk to you about it. Even, um, dude, Josh Whedon, is, he's, he is getting all this shit thrown on him, man. Like, talk about fall from grace. Have you, have you heard all of this? Uh, I know he had some accusations against him about some stuff, but... Ray Fisher came out. Well, this is what it's Oh, started, Ray really. Fisher. Yeah, I got to read up more on that because I heard like the Cliff Notes version of that. And... Ray, yeah, Ray Fisher had complained about some discriminatory things um, as well as some other things that Josh Whedon had practiced um, during the filming of, of Justice League. Basically saying he he felt discriminated against and he didn't feel uh, valued. He just it wasn't a fun, um, nice environment. Um, and for a while you didn't hear a lot from the other stars, but then other people started talking out. I, I don't know if Jason Momoa said something, but I know I think it was Gal Gadot that said, "Yeah, I didn't have the 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 bestest time with Josh Whedon when he was filming Justice League." Now, Henry Cavill Zach's- came out and said the same thing, and so did Ezra Miller. Yeah, and now um, now Zack Snyder is trying to like deny all things of Whedon's Justice League, saying, yep. "No, we're not doing that." Are you going to keep this scene? No, no, no we're not. We're not. Yeah. We're not. Keeping Anything that. that he added in the film is not going to be in the Zack Snyder cut. <laughs> right, right, and I, I'll probably never watch it, man. I, I, I might just skip straight to the Zack Snyder cut because I'm like, if this is going to be as big and bad as he's making it, what? That's like if I'm going to watch Kingdom of Heaven for the first time, I'm going to watch the director's cut. I'm not going to watch the original theatrical version. If really Scott is so against it, I'm just, yeah. just going to throw it to the side. Um, but um, my thing is that, uh, yeah, even Patty Jenkins at one point was like, yeah, I didn't like what he did with Wonder Woman and Justice League. That kind of like threw everything we did with that character out of the water. He's uh, He's being thrown under the bus right now. Yeah, he's he was getting thrown under the bus a while back too because he was originally going to write and direct a uh Batgirl movie and that all got, you know, shoved under the bus after some sexual allegations came out against him. Hmm. Yeah, Brian Singer too. Um the man Brian Singer's us- had allegations against him since before X-Men though. Before X Men, I thought it was like after X after the first before the first X Men. Before the first one, he had allegations wow. out against him. Uh, he's one of the people that Hollywood's kind of always ignored the allegations for. 
Yeah. I mean, I don't think they're ignoring him now, though, because he just got fired from that, uh, some something he was adapting that he got fired from. Um, and, you know, even Halle Berry talked about not having a good time with him on X-Men. Um, I feel like some dudes, man, they, I feel like when it's, when it, when there's genius involved, when there's creative genius involved, people can be ignored. Um, we, we do see kind of a turn now with, uh, with what's happening with Josh Whedon and again, Brian Singer. But, uh, I feel like, oh, a real, a real Hollywood tale, um, Max Landis, the, the hotshot screenwriter who was, you know, he wrote Bright, I believe he wrote Chronicle, yeah. Um, he was he was involved with a lot of projects, and he's the son of John Landis, who's a who was a very you know very respected director. Um, he got he got um, he got hit by the Me Too movement hard. He did well. That was kind of on the tail end of that movement, though. That was like a little after the peak of Me Too. Yeah, he got um, hit at the after it was like mostly done, but he got hit hard from that at the same time. Because it was several yeah, women that deals. came out at the same time. Yeah. He he got, um, I don't want to say blacklisted, even though that's probably what it is. I'm trying to look for a more profound word. But um, he, uh, he's he been alienated. Yeah. Because I know um, at one point he was going to even direct something for DC. Uh, like shortly after Chronicle, he was being pegged to write or direct for DC for something. And they dropped him. Yeah, and, and and I want to talk about this too. Um, there's an actor who, who I, I really I really do love this guy's work. Um, um, I think he's a I followed him a long time since I was since I was a kid. But I gotta say, man, characters to trump genius. Like you you cannot be an asshole. Like you, you cannot be a bad person, not just for Hollywood's sake, but for just humanity's sake. Uh, Shia LaBeouf, man, I think he might finally be done. Did something new happen? I saw his name pop up in the news like the you other day, but I didn't hear see what it was. Oh, yeah, and it, we're not trying to be a gossip podcast, y'all. We just just topics to talk about. It's Hollywood related, you know. You know, it's Hollywood related. Uh, Shia LaBeouf, man, um, his uh, ex girlfriend FK Twigs. Um, she's she's a singer. Uh, she had um spoke out about some um. Um, allegations against him stating that he harassed her, you know, uh, mentally and uh, physically, you know, and then Sia, the singer, came out, talked about having some uh, not so nice moments with him um, when she was involved with him and she did a video with him. And then Olivia Wilde uh, recasted him with Harry Styles on her upcoming film, you know, um, Don't Worry Darling or something like that. Because uh, she has like a no asshole policy on her set, as I feel a lot of Hollywood films should have that policy. And she, because he he wasn't getting along with the other cast, um, so she just replaced him. This is this this was supposed to be Shy's comeback because we know he's clowned before, mm-hmm. and he was on his way to getting a comeback with the Peanut Butter Falcon, Honey Boy. You know, he was on his way, man. Um, but I think he might finally be done. See, he seemed to have the same kind of like path as uh, the kid that played Harry Potter. I'm trying to remember his name. Um, Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, Daniel Radcliffe, where he like did something huge as a kid, and then he, after that, he's just started doing all these weird projects. And Daniel Radcliffe's still doing that whole thing because uh, he's 
done like Guns Akimbo and everything like that. Uh, oh, man, I can't have you compare uh, that. Horns. I, I think Daniel Radcliffe. He he he. he he takes risk. I think him and Shia LaBeouf have both taken risk. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Daniel, is they both like did something as a kid, and then they're they both like kind of went. I'm going to go in a completely different direction than that, and start doing all these wow. indie films, and it it worked out for them. Shia LaBeouf wasn't a kid when Transformers was out, though. He was kind of more. I'm not talking Transformers. He, it was uh, the TV show that he was a part of. Even um, Stevens. Yeah, even Stevens. Right, but what I'm saying is it, it's different because Shia LaBeouf. He still had this mainstream upward trajectory from even Stevens. He, it was never like Daniel Radcliffe had Harry Potter, right? Mm-hmm. Then once that was over, he says, "Hmm, let me uh, let me uh, take a take a uh, look at this indie route and see what I can do over here." He went he went straight over to that, and he's he's gotten this he's gotten this interesting actor career ever since. Shia LaBeouf went from even Stevens to Holes to Transformers to Eagle Eye. It was an upward trajectory. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. You know, um, but I hear what you're saying. Uh, yeah, man. And it's, it's, it's bad because I like Shia LaBeouf, dude. I like his movies. I like his acting. But I feel like that man has a lot of demons, and he hasn't been able to temper them. I don't know the guy. I'm just assuming. Yeah, I know that he's he basically became like a living meme for a while with some of the stuff that he was doing. Oh yeah, they will not replace us. Yeah, and how 4chan got involved with that? I, I still think that's like the greatest example of putting like a bunch of people that are bored behind a keyboard. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. For uh, you, you don't. For three rules to go by on the internet, you don't fuck with 4chan. You don't fuck with 4chan. You absolutely do not fuck with 4chan. Yeah. Yeah, it basically is that like kind of unspoken rule. <laughs> you're you're asking for trouble when you do that. Yeah. Um, all right, let's cap this off. Any any films you watch uh, re- recently? Um, not really. For this one, it was basically this. Um, watching random episodes of The Office and kind of stuff like that while preparing for Christmas and. Uh, Obviously, we had the Big Fat Quiz, which is the UK show that comes on every year around Christmas. I love that, so I watch that, of course. Oh, what's that? Uh, it is like a quiz show where they have a bunch of comedians kind of try and guess like uh, trivia about the past year. So typically it'll be like, back in March, you know, this actor said the following, you know, uh, what was the full statement or fill in the blank uh, or kind of here's this uh, memorable event acted out by school children. What was that event? <laughs> oh, wow. You yeah, know it, what that title reminded me of? Um, I, I just uh, recently rewatched a classic movie. Um, this is a kid's film, but I think it's an underrated kid's film. Big Fat Liar. Oh yeah, the one with uh, Amanda Bynes and Frankie Muniz. Frankie Paul Muniz. Giamatti. Yep, dude, I love that film so much. Like when I watch that film today, um, it, it, it's written by the guy who created all those great 
you know, Nickelodeon shows we used to watch. Uh, yeah, I don't know the if you watched same them, person I, that was behind all that, the Amanda Bynes show, uh, Drake and Josh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's directed by Sean Levy, who's like a big time action director now. You know, he's doing Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds. He did Real Steel. You can see in the film how he was like kind of like stepping into his um like action film role through like some of the some of the Hollywood sequences in that film. I'm like, man, this makes this. I, I love how he went from this to like Free Guy. Like, uh, I love how some Hollywood directors take their trajectories in their career. Yeah. Yeah, that that's definitely one of those memorable like full on '90s movies. <laughs> dude, actually, that's early 2000s. But I tell you, what's a full on '90s movie, dude? And looking back on it today, it's so stupid, but it still brings a smile to my face. Um, around on Christmas, um, my wife and I uh, we watched Jing- Jingle All the Way. Oh, uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right. I'm like, this movie is so... Re- this, this whole film is around him trying to get a doll. Yeah. <laughs> like, like in Arnold Schwarzenegger, I feel like this was the first film that showed that he can do comedy. Next to that film with him and Danny DeVito. I think it was called Junior or something. Um, like, because it's like, he's the Terminator. But in this film, like, his comedic facial expressions are so spot on. Because it's like, it's like you're watching the Terminator being a comedy yeah it, it's, it's literally like that yeah oh man i forgot about that movie but yeah that is a classic <laughs> but yeah i think that pretty much wraps up for this episode though <laughs> uh yeah 